You know how you win the battle? Listen now. You and I have the opportunity to walk in victory, to claim the victory, to experience the victory that is already ours. Because I know I have something to offer. Go where you have never gone before. Keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. Do what you've never done before so you can be the woman you know yourself to be. I live my life playing to win. I'm after something. So much in you. We have the victory. Hey, Purpose Chasers. Welcome to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. I'm your host, Shantae Sapphire. Let's start the show. On today's episode, I wanted to share with you a message that I heard that was very, very powerful on forgiveness. Now, this message is preached or was preached by none other than Minister Marlene Flynn, who, if you do not know, that is my mom. She shared her testimony on Father's Day on what it was like growing up without a father and then later on finding her father. And then she really talked about forgiveness and reconciliation and growing the relationship after that point. And I thought this was a perfect message to share with you guys, because I know forgiveness is something that we often struggle with at various points in our lives, whether it be a father figure or a mother figure, or maybe it's a sister or a friend or, or you know, a co-worker. We all struggle with forgiveness. So please Sit back, tune in, listen, and I hope that this message changes your perspective and changes how you move forward when it comes to forgiveness. So let's dig in. This morning, I want to speak to you from a topic of forgiveness and reconciliation, repentance and reconciliation. And of course, that cannot happen without love. I want to take your attention to the scriptures that are found in Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 32. And I'll be reading from the New International Version. It's uh, titled The Parable of the Lost Son. Some places you'll see the parable of the prodigal son. And it reads from verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons, The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So the father divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squattered his wealth in wild living, in riotous living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. So while he was feeding the pigs, he had nothing to eat. When he came to his senses, and and it's very important 
that in that in life when we're going through hardships and difficulties we take a moment and come to our senses so this younger brother in verse 17 says when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving to death I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. Just like he said he would say, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, verse 22, said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted, fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what was going on? What is going on? The servants would have replied, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his brother went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. I never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But now when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, when he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we have, we had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, that brother of yours was dead and is now alive again. He was lost, but he's now found. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you, my God, for what you want to do with us through this sermon. Father, I pray right now that you open our eyes, remove the scales of our eyes, open our hearts to receive from you. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome to move upon us like you alone know how to move. Father, I ask that you teach us through this parable. Teach us through your own son going to the cross to die for us. Teach us, Lord, what love compassion, repentance, and reconciliation mean so that we may serve our fellow brother and sisters according to the grace that you, have, you will show us today. 
in this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we have a young man who became impatient, who was tired perhaps of living at home, tired of um, being instructed by his father, just had it. How, you know, we can get, you know, even in our teenage years, we can't wait to move out. We can't wait to go on our own. And I imagine that this young lad was feeling the same thing. And so he said to his father, look, please give me my inheritance. I'm just tired of living in this house. I'm tired of coming under your rules, perhaps he said. Let me go out there and do my own living. Let me live my life. He probably thought he could go out there and make some investment if we were thinking about in today. I know how I'm going to spend this money. I'm going to use some for rent and I'm going to invest some and all of this. But instead, he gave into a riotous living. He, gave, he went into living however he saw fit. And pretty soon he was without a, a penny, he was without any money. And then had to, um, the story said, he had to go seek a job. The only job that was available was to feed the pigs. And even while he was feeding the pigs, he was starving himself. And so the Bible said in verse 17, when he came to his senses, every now and again, we have to take stock of our life. We have to see the trajectory of where our life is heading and begin to, to think, begin to meditate, begin to pray, begin to intercede, supplicate, begin to say, even for our own family, our own children, we have to intercede for them to say, why have they taken that road? Sit them down, talk to them, see if you can get them to come to their senses that this is not the right way to go. This is not the right road. To go to 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 go on, and begin to help them to 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 come to a place of realization of of your vision on your dream for them and and their own vision and dream for themselves, and help them to realize that they're going down the wrong path. And this is what this gentleman did for himself. He looked at himself. He looked at his situation. He looked at from whence he came. From whence he came, he probably lived in a, a, well, not probably, he had riches, he had wealth, amen, but he would give up the security of being under his father's um, roof, the security of being under his father's leadership, the security of being under his father's wisdom, under his father's grace to go out there to do for himself, not even knowing how to do for himself, but pride, pride, I would imagine, driven him there. I can, this is my life. I can live it the way I want. I am tired of you telling me what to do. Have any of your children say to you, I'm tired of living under this roof. I want to go on my own. I can't wait to go on my own. I said, let them go. Pretty soon, like the prodigal son, they will come back home and ask your forgiveness because you cannot force them. You can only help them to recognize that the way that they are taking is not the way of the Lord. And the way that they are taking can only sometimes, sometimes will only lead to destruction rather than a place of elevation. And so the Bible said when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? They had food to spare. 
And here I am starving to death. I am going to, he had a talk with himself. You know, when you come to your senses, you have a talk with yourself. So he began to talk to himself. He said, look how much of my hired servant, my father's hired servant has food and food to spare. Yet here I am starving to death. He made up in his mind. He contemplated. He had a, a good talking to himself and said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned. I've done wrong. I was silly. I was foolish. I was strongheaded. I was, I, I, I was, I, I was, I was unwise. Amen. And, uh, and I have sinned against heaven and against you. Then he says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You know, I'm so foolish. What I've done is so crazy that people who saw, saw me could not believe that I was your son. He said to his father, why don't you employ me? Make me like one of your hired servants. He hit rock bottom. And sometimes we have to hit rock bottom to come to our senses. Sometimes our children have to hit rock bottom to come to their senses. So he got up and went to his father. But the Bible also said that, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. I would think that every day at a certain time, his father, in my own imagination, would come to the gate. He's praying, he's interceding, he's supplicating, he's waiting for the day. He just know that he know that he know that one day my son is going to come home. I think he, I, I'd like to believe he had a fixed time at, at 5.30. I, I'm going to go to the gate and I'm going to wait because one day I could see through my mind's eye that one day I'm going to see my son coming back home. That was a prayer on his heart and he activated it, I believe. So that's why this this particular day, the Bible said he saw his son from afar off. Hallelujah, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And but while he was still still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He must have looked a sore sight. I could imagine he was dirty, filthy, a mess. Amen. And the father ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Then the son said to him exactly what he had planned to say to him. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. The father recognized that he had to have humbled himself to come back to the house to ask his forgiveness. You see, when you humble yourself and ask for forgiveness where you are wrong, hallelujah, Jesus, glory to God, you will get a coat, you will get a best coat, you will get the best robe. The Lord will embrace you because he does not like us um, to be full with pride. He said, um, if you're, if you're, if you're filled, and I can't remember the scripture, if you're, you're filled with, 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 with pride, you'll be taken down. Hallelujah. If you, if, if you exalt yourself, you'll be taken down. But if you humble yourself, you'll be lifted up. And I can't think of the scripture right now, but you, you get my, get the meaning. Praise God. So the young lad um, was wrapped by his father's best robe. They put it on him. And not only that, they put a ring on his finger 
and sandals on his feet. Hallelujah, Jesus. His father gave him the best treatment that he could ever imagine because he was so longing to see him, so longing to show, so longing to show him his love, so longing to show him forgiveness that he did that. And not only did he do that, he did a party. A party can bring people together to reconcile you. So there was not only just forgiveness and repentance, i.e. the son repenting and asking the father for forgiveness and the father forgiving him, but there was also a period of reconciliation. I'd like to believe that's what the party was for, so they can come together, so that they can feast together, so that they can have fellowship together. Hallelujah. And it says, he told them after he put the sandals on the feet, he says, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for my son was dead and he's now alive again. He's alive again. He is he was lost, but now he's found, found. So they began to celebrate. Hallelujah, Jesus. And that's what reconciliation looks like, that you are now in relationship with that person who has offended you. You've, they've, they've asked for forgiveness. You have forgiven, they've repented, asked for forgiveness. You have forgiven them. And now you are celebrating that newness, that new relationship, that reconciling of yourselves together. Amen. But I want to bring another part of the story. It says, meanwhile, the oldest son, he heard about all this going on, a ring, sandal, the best coat, a fatted calf. He said, like, you know, I go to work every day. I remain humble to you. I, I, I do as you ask me to do, Daddy. And you've never even given me a, a, a goat. You've never even given me a goat so that my friends and I can, can, can have a party. But here comes your youngest son and you what? You are giving him a party, a ring, sandals, coat. My God, he was angry. He was angry. He probably felt, kind of felt like maybe I should go out and live um, that type of life so that you can appreciate me. He didn't realize the, the, the heart of his father. He didn't realize that what was taking place was worth celebrating because he has come home. He, this, the bro, his brother has come home. His brother has repented. His brother has been forgiven. And now the celebration is in the reconciliation. And oftentimes, this is how we are in life. We are not able to embrace repentance. We're not able to embrace repentance and reconciliation, but that's what God wants us to do. We were sinners. We were dead in our sin, just like that young man, as his father said, he was, he was um, lost, but now he's, now he's found. Um, he was dead, but now he's alive. We were dead in sin, in sin, in sin. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ, according to John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We were doomed. We were going down a, a, a road of destruction. We were lost. Hallelujah, Jesus. We were lost, but God saw fit. He saw fit that we be not punished 
for the sin that we were born in. So he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to shed his blood for us so that we can be reconciled to him, so that we can have a place in heaven, so that we can enjoy the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Forgiveness and reconciliation are related, but the two are very, very different. Amen. Forgiveness may be defined as a conscious, deliberate decision that you you make not to hold on to what the person did or not to hold on to the sin that they commit against you. Forgiveness is not about you trying to forget the hurt that was caused as a result of that thing that was done against you. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not forgetting the hurt. Forgiveness is simply making a conscious and a deliberate decision to not hold that person hostage because of what they have done to you. Forgiveness means that you pardon or you cancel the debt that is owed by the person that caused the hurt to you. On the other hand, reconciliation is it can be defined as bringing the estranged, the estranged persons together again in fellowship. Like the, the son, he was estranged from his father. But through reconciliation, through the party, they were able to, to use a party, um, the, the, the festivities, the celebration as a way to bring them together, two estranged persons together again in that fellowship in that friendship of father and son. Romans 5 verse 10 says, while we were enemies and that's enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. That's Jesus Christ. Moses tried to reconcile his brothers who were fighting. Acts chapter 7 verse 26 says, he tried to reconcile them in peace and asked, why do you injure one another? And this is what we're asking today. Why do we, not why do you, why do we injure one another? When we forgive, we give up the right to hurt back the one who has hurt us. Because we we, we are so revengeful. You know, we want to we want to square off everything. You hurt me, I hurt you back. You talk about me, I talk about you. But this is not the way that we live as Christians. When we forgive, we have we are giving up our right to hurt that person, to injure that person, to hold them accountable for the sin that they've done. Forgiveness is a prerequisite for reconciliation. In other words, I have to forgive you before you can be reconciled, before we can be reconciled. I have to forgive you before we can rec- be reconciled. Sometimes I see us trying to, 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 to reconcile without any forgiveness, but it doesn't work like that. If I haven't forgiven you and you seek reconciliation, I will continue to, it, it will continue to create a breach by inflicting hurts on you, I will continue to withhold my forgiveness. So this is why we have to forgive first before we reconcile. It is impossible to reconcile without forgiveness, but it is possible to forgive without reconciliation. I'm going to say that one more time. It is impossible for us to be friends without me forgiving you of the hurt that you've done for me, done to me. But it is 
possible for me to forgive you and not have reconciliation, even if it's for right now. I may no longer hold this wrong that you've done me, this wrong that you've committed, this sin that you've committed against me. I may not hold that against you anymore, but the person may not want to reconcile with me. The person may be afraid to make themselves vulnerable for fear that I may hurt them again. But the reality is that sin creates a breach in the trust, trusted relationships. And trusted relationships that has been broken are not easily repaired. And I, I, I think that this is why the scripture mandates forgiveness, but nowhere, as I can recall, that it says that you have to reconcile. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 15, it says, if you do not forgive others, then your father will not forgive your transgression. But on the other hand, reconciliation involves a process. When you look at it, though, reconciliation and forgiveness are made possible by the sacrifice that Jesus Christ paid on the cross of Calvary. Sin, our sin created a breach in the relationship that God had intended for us to have with him. And our payment was death. But Jesus, but God sent his son into the world not to condemn us, but that through him we may have everlasting and eternal life. The innocent person in this, in a relationship where one person is hurt, has to be willing to carry the pain. It is the innocent who must carry the pain of the sin, the pain of the hurt to forgive. So we then, that person give up the right to inflict pain or to make the sinner pay. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is me giving up my right to punish you for your sin, to punish you for that thing that we, what, that, that, that you've done to me. I heard someone put it like this, that unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and expecting you to drop dead. Could you imagine? Unforgiveness is like me drinking poison and waiting for you to die. You're never going to die from me drinking poison, but I will die from drinking poison myself. So we carry that hurt. Someone hurt me. I carry that hurt without, without the right to punish that person without the right to inflict pain, without the right to pay back that person for what they have done to me. Perhaps this is a principle of turning the other cheek. God sacrificed his son for our forgiveness. He paid the penalty that we deserve and he no longer holds us condemnable. We are free from the wrath of God. He made that he afforded us that opportunity through giving his only son to be died, to be beaten, to die a painful, horrendous death on the cross, that through the shedding of his blood, we may be saved and reconciled to him. That's what makes us friends of God. The cross pays for our sin. It pays not just for my sin, but your sin, because each of us has hurt someone. So I cannot condemn you 
and hold it against you for the hurt and the pain you've caused me. Because at some point in my life, I will hurt or cause pain to someone else. How would I want to be treated? Would I want to be forgiven and even be reconciled to the person? Of course I do. The cross, my brothers and my sisters, pays for our sin. It pays not just for your sin, the one who is hurting, but it pays for the sin of the one who committed that sin against you. And so if you want to be forgiven, it is best that then you give forgiveness because that's what the, 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 that's what the scripture said. And I read it um, there earlier that if you want to be forgiven, then you have to forgive. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. It is not right for me to receive blessing or forgiveness while we're holding it from you. So it is not right for me to receive forgiveness while I am holding and withholding forgiveness from you. This is what Matthew 18 is saying in the parable of the servant who was forgiven, but then he choked his slave saying, pay back what you've owed. We as Christians cannot go around, go around saying, pay back what you owe, pay back what you owe. No, the only thing we have been asked to do is to forgive each other. Forgiveness and reconciliation are dependent upon the price for the sin being paid by the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 19, so God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Paul preached in 2 Corinthians 5 19. He said, it said Paul was preaching the gospel, which was the word of reconciliation. And his ministry of preaching was a ministry of reconciliation. Let me remind you, forgiveness is mandated. Reconciliation involves a process of a process and processes take time. It is a process that allows for the development of trust. Because when two people, when there's hurt in a relationship that involves two people, trust is broken. Trust is broken. And it will take some time and some processes to be put in place for you to learn to trust that person again. If you've sinned against me, it is my responsibility to forgive you without any conditions, without any conditions. I can't make you do penance. I can't make you pay. I can't make you repent. I can't demand that you apologize as a condition to which I give you my forgiveness. No, there was no conditions in the Bible. It says, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against you. Forgiveness involves me not holding you condemnable and punishing you, like I've said again um, before. I have to be willing to let you off the hook, willing to bear and, to, to bear and go through that, 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 that sting, that hurt, that pain of what you've done to me. Forgiveness is my decision. It takes place within me. And so in order to live a godly life, I have to take that responsibility and accountability that even though you hurt me, I still have to forgive you. Even though you've not come to say that, Marlene, I'm sorry, I still have to forgive you. Even though you may do it again, I still have to forgive you. Because when you look at our lives, 
When you look at our lives, every day we sin against God. And he never say, you again? But you told me you weren't going to do that again, and you're still doing it. I will not forgive you. No, he forgives us of our sins, and he do not hold it against us. Likewise, if we're going to walk as true Christians, are we, are we going to walk according to the word of God? If we're going to walk according to the, the, the footstep of Jesus Christ, we have to have the radical love for Jesus Christ, the radical love that, that, that overflows in our brothers, uh, overflow towards our brothers and sisters who have hurt us. And yet still we wake up and we forgive them. I like to believe, and I often say this to my to my to my 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 daughter, that I put people on automatic forgiveness because I recognize that we are human. I recognize that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I recognize that tomorrow I will sin. Tomorrow I may do something that's despicable. Tomorrow, the thing Paul said, that which I should do, I do not. And that which I don't want to do, that I do. And this is what the life sometimes that we are in, the space that we're in sometimes, the things that we don't want to do, we end up doing. But Father God is still there and Jesus is still on the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, making intercession for us. And when the enemy comes, when, the day, when Satan comes to accuse the brethren, to accuse Marlene of doing the same thing she said she wouldn't do over and over again, Jesus said, my blood covers it. I know, but my blood covers it. Oh, devil, I know my blood covers it. But that does not give us a license to sin. That's not what I'm talking about. Having a license to sin, having a license to hurt persons. Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? No, God forbid. But when we do fall short, when we do sin against each other, when we do sin against the father, his grace, his mercy is sufficient. For us. So I encourage you to love one another. Bear the mark of Jesus Christ. We are stamped with the blood of Jesus. He has given us grace to overcome hurt and pain. And you know what else? Pain and hurt brings us to our destiny. So sometimes you have to even, you have to think of a hard situation where you think you can't forgive someone. You have to think of how this pain could take me to my destiny. And when you can see that afar off, how this particular situation could bring me to a place of purpose, we can even begin to thank those persons who have, who have hurt us. Thank those persons who have put us in that predicament, that unnecessary negative predicament. We can thank them because your pain, your pain can take you to a place where you qualify, you qualify for the prize. You are the only one in the room that could do that. Why? Because you went through that experience, because you went through that situation. You are the only one that could talk about that subject. So there's an exclusivity where you are concerned. No wonder the Bible said to give thanks in all things. Saints, God is working it out. 
no matter how deep the pain is, no matter how hard the situation, God is working it out for your good. If we could only con- co- consider that concept, if we could only come to ourselves, if we could only search our hearts, if we could only just um, forgive, 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 repent. If you are the one who is doing the action, Forgive if the, the, the action, the, the, the hurt has been done to you and watch God move you from a place of pain to a place of purpose, from a place of pain to a place of destiny. Turn your mess into a message. Turn your test into a testimony. That's what God can do. But he cannot do it if you're clogged up with unforgiveness. And there is no reason why we have to be clogged up, clogged up all our pipes with unforgiveness when Jesus Christ offer us his grace and his mercy. We are overcomers. We can be overcomers. When I humbly repent, when I humbly confess and acknowledge my responsibility and work to make things right, it creates an opportunity for the restoration of the relationship. First, I have to be willing to forgive. Even before the reconciliation and the restoration, I have to forgive. Forgiveness is a responsibility of the person who the sin was done against. So in other words, if you hurt me, forgiveness is my responsibility towards you. Reconciliation, on the other hand, is the responsibility for both of us, the person who committed the offense and the person who forgave the the offense committed. I can forgive you and I should forgive you and I must forgive you whether I trust you or not. However, I cannot reconcile with you until we have reestablished trust. Building trust takes time and the evidence that you have changed. And then we can be reconciled. But I'm really working first. I'm really talking first about forgiveness. Because without forgiveness, there can be no reconciliation. So first things first, let's forgive one another. When we sin against each other, there's injury. There's physical sometimes, but always emotional injury comes and it manifests itself physically because we're in pain. We're disappointed. We are probably in anger. Our pride is injured. All these emotions can get in the way of our forgiving each other. They definitely get in the way of us reconciling our relationship. Sometimes there's a lot of accusation. There's sometimes a lot of defense that will only go get in the way of forgiveness and reconciliation. Own up to what you've done. But even if the person doesn't own up to what they have done, the Bible still says that we ought to forgive. It says before you bring your your offering, you should put it before you give your offering. It says lay it at the altar and forgive your brother and your sister. 
I'd like to say before you give your praise, go make it right with your brother and sister. Before the, you testify another time about how good God is, go te- go go um, reconcile, um, go ask your brother or sister for forgiveness, not reconcile, but ask them for forgiveness. Because once we have forgiveness, then we can start to work on reconciliation. We can't say God is so good. We can't get up there and say, oh, I just want to thank God because he's so wonderful. He's so good. His grace and his mercy have kept me. Well, really? Has it really kept you? When you are holding somebody ransom because of what they have done to you? I know some of the injury hurt. I know that some of the injury messes with your emotion. Some of the injuries open wounds, create raw, unhealed wounds. But Jesus Christ gave up his life so that you can have life eternal. And you cannot have life eternal without you forgiving your brother and your sister. His mercy and his grace is sufficient. It is sufficient for you in what wrong you have done to others. And so it's sufficient for others who have done you wrong. Remember, nothing is impossible with God. Have a heart of forgiveness, a heart of love. Follow in Jesus Christ's footsteps. Jesus Christ said, I do as a father, as I see the Father do. It's time for us to live as we see the Father do, live as we see Jesus do. And then he said, he sent a comforter. He said, he sent us help. He sent us help. We have the Holy Spirit that will help us in everything we do and forgiving and taking the responsibility and the accountability for giving your brothers and sisters is no exception. Come on, church of God. Come on, church of the living God. Come on, bride of Christ. We can do it. We can do it. Make up in your mind that you will not walk around with unforgiveness, that you will not block your wells, that you live an open and a pure life so God can use you anytime. So God can use you anytime. Hallelujah. Jesus, the church has lost its power and part uh, part of losing its power is through the bitterness of unforgiveness that we walk around in. Hallelujah. Jesus has given us his grace and his grace is sufficient to keep us. Hallelujah. The songwriter says, you don't have to stay in the shape that you're in. The potter wants to put you back together again. He says, you who are broken, stop by the potter's house. Why don't you make your house, the potter's house today and give yourself and your hurt and your pain over to the Lord and ask him, ask Holy Spirit to help you to make this phone call to the person that you haven't spoken to, the, to your mother who you haven't spoken because of the pain and the embarrassment she's caused you, to your father, Father's Day is just gone. Why don't you make that call to your father who has wronged you or who you have wronged and said, Daddy, I'm sorry. Mom, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Or Mom, I forgive you. Dad, I forgive you. Brother, sister, children, grandchildren, co-worker, neighbor. I am sorry. I am sorry. That's all it takes is for you to really bow in your heart before the Lord and go to your, and ask him to forgive you and to help you to face those persons who have wronged you 
and you also forgive them. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our creator came to earth on a mission to change disaster into victory. The Bible says that we were dead in trespass and sins, and we were alienated, alienated from the life of God. Ephesians 2 verse 1 and Ephesians 4 verse 18. Just as a body without physical life is physically dead, so anyone who is separated from God is spiritually dead. How long will the church be spiritually dead? How long will you be spiritually dead? How long will I be spiritually dead? We need God's forgiveness of our sin and the freedom from its penalty, which is spiritual death. Eternal separation from God is what takes us to hell. We are in need of a right relationship with God. And a right relationship with God trickles down to a right relationship with each other. The Bible said, for God so loved the world, and I said it already in John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus willingly paid the ultimate price to save us from the consequences of our sins. And all he asks you to do is forgive your brother and sisters, your mother and your father, your grandchildren, your neighbor. The creator enters his creation. And that I just read from the Good News publication. My brothers and my sisters, let us be kingdom citizens and live according to the word of God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we believe that your son Jesus Christ came to the earth and died in our place because of the sins, because of my sin against you, because of our sin against you. Thank you that Jesus Christ rose again. Father, we ask you for forgiveness. We place our trust completely in you now and in eternity. Father, strengthen us in the name of Jesus. Cause us to love again. Cause us to love again. When we say we'll never love again, cause us to love again. Our brothers and our sisters, our siblings, our parents, our grandparents, our neighbors, cause us to love again. Cause us to be bold and to be strong and accept, my God, the accountability and the responsibility to forgive those who have trespassed against us in the name of Jesus. I am determined, I am determined, Father, to make it into heaven. So with the teaching tonight, Lord, I am making the first move in forgiving my brothers and my sisters. I ask you to open the door and to make way so that I can do as I ought. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Pray, Plan, Slay podcast. We hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Be sure to like and subscribe. And also be sure to leave a comment, leave a review. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know what you liked from this episode, what you like from the show. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Pray, Plan, Slay Podcast, or you can follow me, your host, Shantae Sapphire, at Shantae Sapphire on Instagram. And the podcast is also on Facebook at PrayPlanSlay.com. We're on Twitter at Shantae Sapphire. All that information will be below in the show notes. Thanks again for joining us.